This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Bruni. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. I got got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that's pushing P. That means it's time for the debate debate, brought to you by CampusToCan.com. Matt Bruning is back, so are Austin Nason, Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp on a future version of tonight's show. An early preview of the Big 12, we consider Matthew Stafford or Quinn Ewers in C2C leagues, and is this the year that the T.O. mantra is bestowed on another T.O.? But we start with the story that's been dominating college football headlines, and that is Brian Harson at uh, Auburn. Chris Moxley, lots of reports of mistreatment of players. We have coaches and players that are leaving that program, and it seems like Brian Harson is on the hot seat. What's going on there? Yeah, so this has been building really since he was hired. He was not a popular hire, if you remember at the time. A lot of trustees and board members and, and big donors were against it. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was not the favorite, I think, for a long time for this job. And, and so I think there's still a couple people that are vindictive within the Auburn um, Thafts way and Auburn athletics that are, uh, you know, still, still kind of mad about it. I think some are unhappy about the job he's done so far. It was their first losing season since 2012. Um, 19th overall recruiting class and usually – that's not a bad thing, except it's ninth in the SEC. So it's, it's just not up to Auburn standards. So his season, I don't think, was a success starting from his hiring. Then you go a little bit deeper. In total, six coordinators have left under Harson. Bobo, Mike Bobo was fired before the end of the season. Nick Easton left for a defensive line position at Clemson, which is alma mater. So like that's a little bit more understandable. Austin Davis, who is hired as their offensive coordinator from Seattle, Resigned six weeks on the job. I don't even think he lasted like 45 days or something crazy like that. Um, Derek Mason resigned over alleged philosophical differences, then goes and takes the same job at Oklahoma State at a 400000 per year pay increase, pay decrease. Um, they've also lost 20 players to the portal. Only seven, seven teams across 131 teams. Seven. Seven defensive linemen have transferred. Yes. Yeah, we're up to eight now. We're up to eight defensive linemen have transferred. Uh, I, I think that's part of Nick Eason leaving. Only seven teams in the entirety of FBS have lost more to the portal than Auburn. Uh, Bo Nix transferred out. Uh, Tank Bigsby was very close to transferring out. Then we come, we fast forward to this week. 
Uh, Auburn announced an investigation into Harson and everything that occurred, meeting with trustees, and then he met with trustees earlier this week. Alan Green, who's their AD, uh, met with players regarding the alleged mistreatment of players, rumors of improper conduct with a staff member, which I don't want to speculate on, but that, that stuff is out there. Um, it's a bad time to be Brian Harson in Auburn right now. That's that that is what I will say. It, it's a bad time to be an an Auburn Tiger fan, and quite frankly, I think we're coming to the conclusion that you cannot treat players and people the way that you could have maybe ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago. This behavior had kind of been accepted in the football coach football community, and it's not anymore. I mean, we just saw the. Uh, Dolphins hire their new coach today in his press conference today. And you see how, uh, for lack of a better term, mild uh, he was. Brian Harson on the opposite end of that spectrum, very much the old school coach. And, and, and as you said, Chris Moxley, there were reports about him not getting along with the media right after he, right after he started. So um, we'll see. For Debbie and for C2C purposes, we really need to pay attention to Tank Bigsby. He had threatened to enter the portal. As a matter of fact, it was reported that he was entering his name into the portal. He didn't. I think if Harson is not there, Harson, you know, smooth things over with him. If Harson's not there, why would Tank Bigsby stay? There are plenty of programs that would take on Tank Bigsby, who I have as the third running back in the 2023 class. He just he, he if he has a monster season next year, he could absolutely be a first round draft pick, and you could potentially have three first round draft pick running backs because I think that that two are pretty much solidified. Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson. I see them going in the first round. Um, uh, Matt Bruning. Austin Ace, any thoughts about Brian Harson, Tank Bigsby, whether or not we should have stock invested in this team? I would. I will take. No. I mean, Tank's the only one, but I, I kind of agree with what you just said. If Harson's out, he might not leave if Harson leaves. I mean, I kind of feel like Harson was the one who caused the rift to begin with by not really playing him and, and putting Jarquez Hunter in as much as he did. So maybe Bigsby stays because I imagine. There's a lot of rumors that they would throw a lot of money at Bill O'Brien. I don't know that they, that'd be a smart move, but I think they'd try and go and get like a big name uh, coach to come in there. So I don't know that Bigsby would leave right away. That might be something he waits to see. So I'd still want to hold Bigsby for now. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think there's anybody else on that team I have any real interest in. Did we talk you know at all about the person in the – office that he's apparently been having an affair with too did i miss us alleged i i classified it as an alleged um improper chris, chris moxley is so scared of brian harson listening to this podcast and <laughs> coming after him personally for defamation but quite frankly you wouldn't have the third party publishing element because nobody listens to this podcast so you're safe you're safe um Pu pub publication is a, is an element of, of defamation. So it's a very uh, real thing. Yes, we don't. You're fine this week. I don't think you're fine. All right, let's move on here, Austin. We hosted a uh, Twitter Spaces on what Monday about trading in campus to Canton leagues, and I was sitting there doing my thing. You know, you were just there, just looking pretty like you do, and I mentioned my opinion, that NCAA picks, well, first of all, that the NFL picks in C2C leagues are not valuable, but then that NCAA picks are also not really that valuable because the hit rates we get with freshmen and people are always trying to take those highly touted freshmen guys that fade out. Think about Julian Fleming and DeMond DeMoss, those types of players. You reacted to that statement, Austin, that, oh, that's not true. Why don't you elaborate a little bit on how you felt when I said that? Yeah, well, I mean, just the base of the, the what you see, we're like, yeah, nothing's valuable. You're like, NFL picks aren't valuable. College picks aren't valuable. I was like, <laughs> even nothing's valuable here, man. Like, how are we adding stuff to our roster? Um, but, like, I really do think that people, a lot of people have that same mindset that you do, Felix, that they're not valuable. And I think they're, they're so undervalued that now they are a value. 
I think you know somewhat what you're doing. I think you can navigate the waters of a freshman draft pretty cleanly. There are players and situations and um, you know systems and all these things that that we just know are generally very productive for you know at least at minimum college fantasy purposes. Like I, I think you know that it's it's I think it's fairly easy to navigate some of these drafts after you've seen a couple of them and say you know. I want this guy. I want this guy. I don't want this guy. Like I, I, I mean, obviously it's it's less of a hit rate than you know probably a, a regular rookie draft pick would be in a regular dynasty league, but it's something we're definitely going to be tracking over the next couple of years. We have our freshman ADP, so we're we'll to values and see what ends up going on there. But I, I, I think that the results are going to surprise people in terms of how many picks end up being decent at you know at least college producer level. Uh, that's fair and Austin your audio is going in and out a little bit so that's a, yeah that's I'm, fair essentially what you're saying is if you are paying attention then you can do well in in campus to Canton drafts which is t- totally totally fair I feel confident about that too quite frankly but for the majority of people I think that if you are looking at a 24-7 list and just going down the list and say all right I'm going to take Kamar Wheaton here that is not the way to do it That is not the way to do it. Take a look at our rankings. Take a look at, I mean, there is a running back that is ranked by 24-7 in the 50s. And I think universally he's going to be in our top 10 or so for for our freshman draft. So if you don't have it already, get yourself a subscription to the website, campusdecan.com, when you're doing your supplemental draft. So we might have, we might, I might put something together to help people with their supplemental drafts. I'm thinking I'm thinking about doing that. So, um, all right. Chris Moxley, since Austin is gone, do you want to handle housekeeping? Um, it's a big responsibility. You I know. I don't feel, I don't feel like I can live up to it like Austin can, but I, I can try. You can do a bad job at it? I mean. I could try. All right. Come on. Go ahead. You got Let, it. Let's talk about this. YouTube page number one. We're doing so much content over there that y'all would be inundated with college football news across the spectrum, we're doing NFL content. We're doing college content. We got a new daily show that going out live in the morning that you can listen to that talks about strategy, college football news. The YouTube page, like, subscribe, do anything you can to get access to it. If you want to turn on notifications, turn on notifications. We got so much live, actionable content that when news breaks, we're we're there within 30 minutes, an hour. Bam. It's unbelievable, to be frank. Second, give us rate and reviews on this damn show. Y'all have been slacking to the maximum. I don't know why you guys can't just enter little, like, five numbers. Y'all are on your phone all the damn time, and you can't just go to the show. That's right. Apple Apple reviews, no excuse for Spotify anymore. I don't want to hear it. Get your reviews in. Give us rate and reviews. If you like the show in any capacity... It absolutely helps us to give us positive reviews. And even if you don't like Matt, even if you don't like Austin, even if you don't like me, even if you don't like Felix, there's something on this show that you like. And I guarantee you it's worth a five-star review. If you don't do it, I'm coming for you. Um, I I don't know where you live, but just know that I'm really disappointed in general. Third, sign up for the website. There's so much content that we're putting out there. We've added a brand new C2C team. We've added a bunch of new recruiting analysts that are doing a fantastic job. I'll put it this way. If you sign up this month, let's just say it'll be worth your while. If you know what I'm saying from, from uh, where did that expression come from? How much is a while worth? From, 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 uh, I don't know, but from, from someone who's from North Jersey, and it, you know, I would hate to see you not sign up for the website if you know what I'm saying. Um, you, you know, it would be a real shame if you didn't sign up. If you didn't, you know, t- monthly memberships are $2.99, yearly membership is $29.99, 17% discount if you sign up for yearly. Just be a real shame if you didn't sign up. So, all, all I'm saying. let me let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. We have good cop, bad cop, Austin, and we have intimidating gangster, uh, Chris Moxley. Is that is that? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say anything. uh, uh, Anything that could be intimidating. I'm just saying, uh, you know, you don't. You don't want to not sign up. It'd be be a bad time. Okay. All right. All right. 
Thank you, Chris Moxley. We'll see what uh, what what response we get from the audience next week. We'll review. We will review your performance. The substance of tonight's show is we are looking forward to the Big Twelve. This conference has undergone an absolutely ridiculous facelift. I mean, Lincoln Riley gone, Caleb Williams gone, Mario Williams, Austin Stogner. That's just Spencer Rattler. Two of the best quarterback recruited, best quarterback recruits in the last five years or so, gone out of the Big 12. Brees Hall is draft eligible. Skylar Thompson at Kansas State, gone. Is he playing quarterback, by the way, or is he playing something else? Does anybody know? Anybody just keep quarterback for me? I wonder. Quarterback. He's playing quarterback? That's that's yeah. bold. Um, Abram Smith, draft eligible. Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. Hudson Card's still there. Casey Thompson with Nebraska. I mean, this conference has really undergone a, a, a facelift. It's very interesting. So with each of these early conference previews, we're trying to identify a breakout player, a comeback player, and a freshman. There's a lot of new faces here. So this is what I'm really interested in. Chris Moxley, why don't you start us off with your your potential breakout, early breakout, uh, early uh, review breakout for the uh, Big 12? I'm all tongue-tied tonight. Yeah. So this isn't a guy that I think is a secret to leagues. Like, I think everyone knows who he is. I think he's going in the top three rounds of uh, CGC drafts that we're doing on the site. But Quentin Johnston, I think, is going to explode. And I mean that in a – we're going to have a conversation about him being a top two wide receiver in the class, and he's going to be in the Kayshawn Boutte, Jackson Smith, and Jigba tier. He has he, so he's many a top skills. three wide receiver in the class. Chris Moxley has him going up one spot. <laughs> okay, you're not having the, the point is we're not having the conversation about him, Jason, and Keishon Butte. I think we're having that next season. So that's a it's it's a uh, it, it's a little bit higher than a lukewarm, but it's maybe like under eighty degrees in a pool kind kind of take. Um, he just has so much of a ceiling last year, so. We, I've been do, working on these unrealized fantasy point statistics. Uh, last season, he was second in the entire FBS with 13 unrealized fantasy points, which means I think his season's just, ceiling is just like way higher. And I think that if it breaks right for him this year, we're going to be talking about a 6'4 long strider with legit speed in that tier of player who can go as like the wide receiver one or two in the class. And I... I don't think it's crazy to think that he ends up in the same tiers like Keishon Boutte and JSN. Like, I don't, I, dis- I don't disagree with you, actually. I mean, he is long. He's big. He can run after the catch at that size. You don't really see something like that. Uh, you don't see that type of player all the time. I mean, similar strengths to uh, to uh, uh, Traylon Burks this year. So um, similar, similar. We'll see if they can get him the football. And he has to, be, has to stay healthy, has to be consistent. I think that if you're going to talk about the Big 12 and you're talking about potential breakouts for people to come out of nowhere, let's start with Texas Tech and Zach Kitley going to Texas Tech. Let's talk about their quarterback. Let's talk about their potential wide receivers. And we mentioned this name before when we were breaking down Kitley to Texas Tech, and that is Miles Price. Uh, I'm not a – Austin, you all have talked about it on, on Campus Life. Friend of the show, Kyle Francis, has, has pointed him out. Miles Price has already been good, and he is a candidate to play the Josh Stearns role in that offense. We are talking about 140-plus catches for potentially for Miles Price, who's, who's already been decent. So any analysis of breakout, should I think, should start there. Who's going to play quarterback for them? Is it Donovan, uh, Donovan Smith? Is it? Baron Morton, is it somebody else? Who's the other? Who's the other? Who's, who's the third guy there at Texas Tech? Tyler the Shuck. third guy, Chuck. Yes, Chuck, who Matt Bruning was high on uh, last year. Um, was he? Is it one of one of those three? I mean, we got to pay attention to. The, and I think all those guys are relatively, uh, relatively cheap in their pricing in startups and in supplemental drafts. They might even be available in supplemental drafts, so you might be able to get all three of those guys um, just to so you can get the big hit. So I'm starting with Miles Price, but I want to take another one here, potential breakout, and that is Hunter Deckers. Hunter Deckers, who holds the records for total yardage in the state of Kansas, I believe it is. Uh, And 
in two big games, one against Iowa this year, and then I want to say Oklahoma. Excuse me. Hunter Decker's brought in by the coaching staff to to get the offense going for an ineffective Brock Purdy. The fact that they've put him in big spots means that these coaches believe in Hunter Deckers. I do. The A big left-handed quarterback who can make all the throws and is mobile. This isn't really rocket science. Matt Campbell is a good coach. Hunter Deckers is very high in my rankings. I think that we could see him absolutely break out this year. And he has, oh, he already has NFL size and arm strength. So can he be a consistent player? Um, we'll see. So my two breakouts, Miles Price and one Hunter Deckers. Austin, who, who do you got here? I, I think there's a lot of choices, but none besides the the ones you guys, well, not Chris's, but the ones that you just mentioned are kind of the obvious ones there, everything at Texas Tech. Um a guy that I that I just like and I think is a good player, and I I think there's a path to some nice opportunity is Kai Thomas, the running back going to Kansas, was at Minnesota the past two years. Didn't really play that much as a freshman. Uh, filled in last year when they just had their, you know, litany, litany of injuries at Minnesota, and he fared really, really well. I mean, he basically started the last seven games of the year. In those games, he went under 100 yards or over 100 yards five of the seven games. I uh, had a touchdown uh, in four of them and had two touchdowns in one of them. I mean, he he was pretty good on a per-touch basis and, you know, efficiency-wise. So he's a guy that I like, but everybody was coming back, so he transferred to Kansas from Minnesota. You know, Lance Leipold, he's got a history of wanting to run the ball a lot, and I know it took him a couple years to get the system going at Buffalo, which is why I'm not as high on Kai Thomas as maybe I think I would be if if it was like a year or two later. Lance Leipold's first couple years at Buffalo uh, were not very good, uh, to be quite honest. It was a bad program, similar to how Kansas is now. But once he built it up, 2018, uh, they ran the ball 40 or 41 times per game. The RB1 got 183 carries. RB2 got 180. In 2019, they ran the ball 50 times a game. RB1 got 312 carries. RB2 got 227 carries. And then in 2020, uh, they split split was 141 and 112. He likes to kind of concentrate the carries between his top couple of backs. They bring back Devin Neal. I think he's the obvious one. And then there's not anybody really behind him. The, the touches there weren't super concentrated last year because... They didn't have anybody else. Their, their quarterback was the second leading rusher. I, I don't know if Jason Bean's even going to be the starter next year or what's going on there. Um, so I I think that there's opportunity there. Now, you know, game script, will Kansas be running the ball 500 times a, a season? Probably not. But I think, you know, if Kansas can get a little bit of a roll, I think you can see Kai Thomas getting 10, 12, 15 touches a game and, and doing something with them. Lance Leipold produced the offense that almost allowed Jared Patterson to break the NCAA single-game rushing record over like 400 yards rushing in a single game. Um, That is the offense that is there at uh, Kansas and that Kai Thomas is joining. Devin Neal also – Devin Neal, who actually kind of emerged late in the season and was very effective. He's too big of a name to be called a breakout. Fair. In my opinion. I I don't know where we're drawing the line tonight. But in yeah, my top, opinion, he's top probably three wide receiver, it. top three I'll, players in the conference. That's where we're drawing. The can line I change right my now. answer then to Devin Neal? <laughs> <laughs> wait, uh, wait, 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 time out. If we're talking about Kansas players, I want to change my answer to Jay to uh, their starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who I think will be the starter. Who I think is actually like a legit player. So that would have gonna... been a much better choice than Quinton Johnston. Just say, okay, okay, Matt, it's your turn. Who do you want? Oh, I'm taking the I'm taking the easy way out all night, baby. I had about five minutes prepared for this show. I'm taking Quinn Hewitt, who you know what? Matt, He's a hey, first rounder. Say what you Matt, want. Matt had nothing on the show sheet, say, and now he's coming in here with Quinn Ewers as a breakout. Say what you want. He may be a first round pick, but dude's done absolutely nothing in college football. So I think it's at least somewhat. Of a, and this is not a nothing like Eric Gilbert, nothing like he's literally done nothing. I relived that moment, by the way, that popped up on my feed the other day. That was a quality, like top five moment in Debbie debate history right there. Eric Gilbert has done nothing. Anyways, Quinn Ewers, I do think is going to be the breakout player this year. 
uh, in the Big 12. A lot of it, I think, is pa- being paired with Steve Sarkeesian. If you go and look at what this guy has done just as an offensive coordinator, QB's coach, I mean, even last year, 43% success rate passing the ball, which, I mean, with, don't get me wrong, with Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, neither of which was very good, uh, I think. And Quinn Ewers being much better than both of those guys. Now, granted, he's had some very fairly decent QBs in his time, Tua Tonga Viola. He's had Mac Jones for that one season, Jalen Hurts. All three of those guys, QBRs, the years that they were with Sar- Steve Sarkeesian, 83.4 for Hurts, 93.1 and 94.8 for Tua. Mac Jones, 96.1. Even Cody Kessler back at USC, a 79.5. His worst quarterback with the QBR when he was either the quarterback's coach or offensive coordinator head coach was Casey Thompson at 62.6. Quinn Ewers, I think, is better than all, all right, of those names you, Matt, that I just we listed. We believe you that you did your Quinn research Ewers. before the show, which you didn't do. What, doing it why right do, now. Do you think, do you think this right is how now. Jeff Bell handles himself on the Debbie no, Royale? Jeff this Bell knows what he's doing. doing. Jeff Bell knows what he's doing. You, so does Kevin you want to do your research during the show. Hey, it sounded good though. Didn't like literally this entire time Chris Moxley's been telling us about this unknown Quinten Johnston. I was looking up everything I could on Quinn Ewers. Let's go to the comeback players. I'm just I'm just over the just to, let's so, go to, <clears throat> to to not to come to Chris's aid, because I am not known for doing that. But I will say value-wise, you could actually argue that both the players that you guys chose actually probably go too late in C2C startups right now. I have the ADP in front of me. Quentin Johnson's ADP right now is three is the 301. Wide receiver six. And that is probably slightly low for him. Yeah, he's just a top, look, three quarter, or top, top three wide receiver. Like so just yeah. looking at a couple of the players spots. ahead of him. And, and Quentin Ewers is, is the one is on average the 110, an ADP of 9.8. A QB three, and to be honest, that feels late for him. Like he's behind. There's a couple guys in front of him, including Tank Bigsby, that I would never take over Quinn Ewers in a billion years. So, I, breakout probably not, but undervalued, especially hey, rel- hey, hey, whoa, relative whoa, whoa. to the whoa, whoa, whoa. early part of things here. Quinn yeah. Ewers has done nothing. If he does even anything this year, that's technically a breakout. Do Quentin not give Johnson me the don't produced. give me the Donald Trump fingers here, man. Six. Nothing. That's, that's Chris Moxley, let's see if you're going to do a better job with your comeback player. Okay. Um, my comeback player is a guy who hurt his elbow near the end of the season. It's Bijan Robinson. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. <laughs> no, my, my real comeback player is Dylan Gabriel. I, I actually think the bit in Oklahoma is a good one for him. Um, I'm a big fan of Jeff Levy. I think Jeff Levy brings a really great uh, RPO system to – Oklahoma and I think it's kind of like a really nice Taylor mid match you know he didn't he probably could have come back last year if he really wanted to it was a collarbone injury but he's been productive and I yes you can say it's at UCF but he's been a really good player uh throughout his career including his freshman season he's averaged 309 yards per game 2.7 yard 2.7 touchdowns per game I think he could have a good season you know I don't think that wide receiver core is that bad I think Marvin Mims is still a good collegiate wide receiver I don't think Theo East is a guy that uh, is like in Debbie circles, but I do think he's going to be good for collegiate production. And, and so I, I'm at least entertaining the thought that Gabriel comes back and has a top like 20 season, especially in your C2C league. So I actually, I, I'm actually really excited about what he can do in that Jeff Lebby offense. Yeah, not sexy, but definitely has been a productive player uh, in his time and now gets to, function in a highly efficient offense you know where i'm going with this one and that is to one troy omire there is not another wide receiver like this guy in the country six foot four 230 pounds he has a catch radius the size of the seven eight seven one two area code where the university of texas austin is located i hear about isaiah nayor i hear about uh, Xavier Worthy, both good players, worthy of their, their their praise that we've been giving them this offseason. But as far as catch radius, red zone weapon, mismatch, it's Troy O'Meary T.O. And he's been out with a knee injury the last two seasons. This is the year that he is going to 
be healthy, and we're going to see all of those reports that we've seen in practice, him mossing players, these one-handed catches, just being the size-speed mismatch. It's going to come to fruition this year in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. That's why he's still in the top 20 of my wide receiver rankings. And so it's this is a very, very easy call for me, Austin, looking at me with those judgmental eyes. It's going to be Troy Omire. He has zero stats through two years. Like zero, like zero, literally zero stats. He's been injured. What do you expect? Just saying, not a good, not a, not a great, uh, Luke brings up a good track record. All right, whatever. Austin, does anybody else have a comeback player? Austin? Yeah, I do actually. Um, So this is a player that I don't even like that much. But I think the opportunity is there for him to come back. It's Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end who's transferring from Alabama to Texas. I think he struggled last year, you know, and actually he didn't struggle that much last year. He did exactly what he did the year prior. In 2020, 18 catches, 287 yards, three touchdowns. In 2021, 17 catches, 256 yards, three touchdowns. Basically identical. The problem was he didn't make the jump that everybody thought that he was capable of. I don't think he's capable of, you know, being this first round kind of mismatch tight end that people want. And he's not 6'4", 230. If you think he's actually 230, then I really just like, let's hop in a league. I'll make some deals with you. He's not 230. He's like 215, 220 max. He's a tiny guy. So he's not really a tight end. So that's why I don't think there's any real long-term upside but just from a pure production standpoint he's worked with sark before sark obviously wanted him to come to texas they are lacking receiving options like i don't even i have zero faith that troy O'Meary would stay healthy for a whole year and we don't know what he looks like after two knee injuries so that's not like i thought he was a good player he was in my top 35 or so before he got hurt but now he's like it's so much like i, I don't know how Wait, you can, can you talk about that. your player why are you talking about my player because he's going to be the third receiving option. That's where I was going with this. It's going to be Nayor, Worthy, Billingsley, and then probably Whittington. That's probably going to be their, their you know, their base four receiving options most of the time. It's going to be a productive offense. Quinn Uris is going to pass for 4,500 yards probably, just the nature of how that offense works. I don't think that's a bold, really. So there's yardage there. I think Billingsley can have a five to 600-yard season like people thought that he would last year at Alabama. Let's move on here. Or Matt, do you have one? No, apparently no. That's good. Just let's move on to freshmen. Uh, yes, I do have someone. Again, I've been researching the hell out of these players in the past 30 minutes, so I'd appreciate you giving me a couple minutes here. Uh, much like Austin, it's a player that I really don't like, but right now his ADP is sitting at 107. He is RB34 off the board, and I actually think he's in a decent situation. Austin already knows who I'm talking about. Taking the easy way out again, it's Eric Gray, running back Oklahoma. He's actually, I think, in another really good situation. You got Jeff Levy there who actually has run the ball a lot more than I thought he was even when he was with UCF, which granted, I know Jeff Heupel was there as well, so he may get the credit for that. They've run the ball a lot there. Even last year, there was a lot of running back Snoop Connor, Jerry on Ely, my goodness, I'm forgetting the other guy now all of a sudden. Where is it at? Henry Paris Jr., who all ran the ball over 100 times in 32, 13, and 21 receptions for the three of them as well. I think that will happen here with Eric Gray and obviously Marcus Major will be involved as well. But I think with where we saw Eric Gray coming into last season, how far he has dropped down this year, I do think he produces in this Oklahoma offense. I think he actually will probably get more carries than Marcus Major will and more receptions he's going to rebound his stock in a fair amount. He's not going to jump back up to where we had him coming to this year, right behind, you know, the Bijans, Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby. He's probably fallen down until around that 10 range when the season's over with. Like, I think he could jump up into that. Uh, and, I mean, like, like I said, right now, RB34 and our ADP in that so, offense, I think he can produce. I, I, like, I don't know where you're getting that number from, Matt, because I have him at Which RB63. One? I just pulled up a Decos, but I could be wrong. Oh, that's what I have open to. Maybe I have the wrong sheet, but I, I have RB sixty three, one hundred forty fourth player overall. That's even so that's better. even worse. Like yeah, yeah that's even better even for better, my argument. But like yeah. even lower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, this class could use another running back. So if if Eric Gray can break out and be kind of the pass-catching player dynamo that we thought he was going to be last year under Riley, all the better for our 2023 Dynasty rookie picks. All right, uh, Chris Moxley, let's move over here to the freshman. Yeah, I actually wanted to pick a couple players that we had already mentioned, but since I'm not as deep in the freshman, I'm going to go – uh, a little bit different and let the the experts talk. Jordan Hudson is a guy I think that's pretty interesting for TCU. And he's not their highest recruit. And he he's a four-star guy coming in. Um, I think technically he has a lot to improve on. I, don't, I think that he's kind of raw. But you see flashes of, like, brilliance from him. I think he has, uh, like, arrogant hands. I think that's a popular phrase on Twitter right now. Uh, and I think that's true. I think he can do a couple things after the catch, but I think he's just a guy who's can like, I don't want to like compare him to this, to, to this, but like he's in the David Bell mold of players who could just like make catches, but maybe aren't super sexy. Otherwise uh, just feel like he could be a contested got contested catch guy in that offense. And they don't really have anybody like that. Tay Barber returns and he's a slot guy. Darius Davis returns and, like he's kind of in an like I don't know how else to explain it besides like an amorphous role almost. He he just kind of like fluctuates between different roles. Obviously, Quentin Johnson is a wide receiver one, uh, a prime breakout candidate because he only had like 600 yards last season. But he's uh, but I'm really interested in what Hudson can do as the second wide like the second best wide receiver coming in there. I think he he could flash a little bit and um like we've been talking about this week. Uh, I think he could avoid the year one zero status, which is a death knell. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Hudson does. Just to add some color to the periphery of that. I think he's a big slot. So I am a little concerned how much he plays this year with Bar. Like he's a very different player than Barber, but he's like Anquan Bolden ish kind of like that. That's kind of his play style. Like he's a bit of a bully. He's my least favorite player in the entire class because he doesn't put any indicators on his huddle tape as to who he is. So you have to watch it like eight times before you find him on every single play watching him took like four hours. I did not appreciate that. So, um, but yeah, so like, I don't know where they're going to play him if they will try to line him up out wide or what they're going to try to do with him. But I think ultimately his best position ends up being kind of that six foot, the six foot one, like bigger, you know, Juju, Bolden, Hart, like slot somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah, I think he's like a, and David Bell is also in this mold, but like a less dynamic slot Tyler Boyd-esque player who just like operates in that role, but is entirely less dynamic. And, and so that type of mold is someone that's at least interesting, but it's not like super sexy. I don't know. I'm not a David Bell fan, and like I think him and David Bell have a lot of the same strengths as players. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm gonna go with Baylor's Armani Winfield. Now, we I don't think we put a I don't think we associate Baylor's offense with necessarily points, but you have to remember that Jeff Grimes is the offensive coordinator at Baylor, and he was at uh, the helm for Zach Wilson at BYU. That wide zone play action deep scheme. That's uh, Jeff Grimes. He's now at Baylor. I've also, I think I've talked about on Debbie Debate or somewhere where I have sort of a frustration with certain types of wide receivers who aren't necessarily the quick, quick twitch route runners. Well, I don't have that problem with Armani Winfield. He is a someone who can create separation with his feet. He can catch the ball with his hands, and he can do that hand fighting stuff when the when it's when there's a contested catch, and he can go up and get it. I feel strange touting a Baylor wide receiver, but there is, but Grimes has been at the helm of some high profile offenses. If they could get a quarterback to you know elevate everyone else's play, and I like Winfield as a player, so that's. Man. Pay attention to him. Austin, Matt, who you got? I have Ollie Gordon. Um, and there are a lot. I think so. We were talking about this before the show. I think the pack, the, the Big 12 actually has a lot of different freshmen that I'm pretty interested in. Um, but, you know, my favorite guy, Jade on Blue, probably won't play at all next year, barring injury or something. Um, 
Talon Shetron, just as kind of an honorable mention guy, is going to go to Oklahoma State. Uh, big, fast, kind of exactly what they like outside. Uh, but I chose Ollie Gordon. Running back's going to Oklahoma State. Uh, six foot one, two ten. He's out of. Uh, he went to high school in Texas and was like one of the leading producers in Texas last year, despite playing in their highest classification of high school football. He's got the size. He's a pretty good athlete. Like I think he can end up being a four five five ish guy when all is said and done in the forty. So I mean that's you know good enough for the running back position. He's really really physical. Like he he is pretty much kind of what. Mike Gundy has tended to like in running backs like Mike Gundy has a type at running back and at wide receiver um, you know bruising backs jump ball receiver that's kind of his guys and I think Ollie Gordon fits that really well he's oddly built he has really tiny lower legs which does kind of concern me a little bit because that's just not like a build you see a lot out of running backs but you know we'll see the other thing is they just don't have any other running backs on the roster right now I went to their 2022 roster and granted I don't think they've completely filled it out yet on the website but they only have two running backs listed and he's one of them they lose basically all of the running back production from last year, either to the NFL with Jalen Warren or to the portal. I think Desmond Jackson's gone um, and somebody else has gone as well. So like they lose everything. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he's the starter there, like halfway through the season, because Gunda usually experiments the first couple games if he doesn't have like a, a guy returning. And then once he finds the guy, he just rides him the rest of the year. I think that could be Gordon. I think he's going pretty late, even though he's a four star kid in, in the mocks that we're doing right now. Um, so he's a, he's a big buy for me this year. I think you can see immediate or close to immediate production out of him. Uh, my freshman close, close us out, Matt. is, uh, sticking with the team, uh, that Moxley brought up and that is TCU and that is DJ Allen. He's a wide receiver that I've liked for quite a while now. I know Austin has liked him uh, a lot as well. I know Chris did actually want to talk about him, but I, I stole him away from Moxley. I actually think he is the wide receiver, too, on this roster with everything he can do because he's not just a very good wide receiver. He can be used all over the field. Obviously, having Sonny Dykes as his coach is just even better with what he's done. I mean, I pulled it up here. His lowest pass uh, offensive pass rate in neutral production is 47%, and then it's just upwards of 50 everywhere else. His second wide receivers on all the teams that he has coached are roughly getting around 40 to 50 receptions uh, from SMU going back even to the Cincinnati days. And I think that that could be DJ Allen, and he could easily blow up and be one of the best freshmen this year. I, I love the kid, and I think he's going to be in for a an amazing season, not just for CFF, but also uh, for just college in general. All right, there you have it. Freshman, comeback player, break out the early look at the Big 12. All right, boys, we just got one. We just got one. Are you ready for the Debbie debate? Yes, sir. All right. In the spirit of the Super Bowl and uh, talking the Big 12, this is the question. I posted this poll on Twitter, Austin, and got a lot of response, prompted a lot of discussion. Who would you rather have in a C2C, essentially a trade scenario? One Matthew Stafford or Quint Ewers? This is a really tough question. I actually, when you originally posted the poll, I thought about it for a minute, but I voted Stafford. I'm a, I've been a huge Stafford guy. I mean, we predicted on the Canton, Campus to Canton podcast, like uh, when Stafford got traded, I said, I think he could be the top quarterback in fantasy next year if, if things go right there. He was a top, what, four or five guy. I, I mean, had an excellent year for fantasy there. He's only 34. Um, I don't know why Matt's been laughing. I don't even want to know. Um, I, I saw Luke's comment and it just made me laugh. Uh, uh, yeah, it was really, the really good. Thing. Yeah, he was very was confident good. in that stance too, which is really, really good. Um, that was the best part. I don't remember what I was saying anymore. Oh yeah, Stafford, 34, but he's had some injuries. Long term, does he stay in LA? I don't know. And then I thought about Quinn Ewers, and you know there is uncertainty about his future. But I really think in Sark's offense over the next couple of years, like I said earlier, I think forty five hundred yards passing this upcoming season is not ridiculously out of the question. And I think he has two it, years back to back to do that. It's just that Quint Ewers has done absolutely nothing, and so to me, it's at it's one hundred percent Stafford. In in fairness, I posted this poll I guess two days ago. Now Matthew Stafford is in the lead, or I guess he won the poll sixty five percent. 568 votes on this poll. However, there are a lot of people who are voting on this poll who are not even familiar with who Quint Ewers is. Um, 
Chris Moxley, who are you taking in this scenario? Yeah, I actually commented on your poll, and I think I'm taking Quinnewers. And, and so I, I think I caveated it when I when I commented, and I said, if your C2C pot is close to evenly split with your NFL pot, that it makes sense to take Ewers in the Quinnewers in this position. And, and I say that because, uh, you know, Austin talking about him as like a 4,500-plus yard guy, that's a top-12 quarterback. Uh, almost without a doubt. So if you're getting top 12 production from him uh, for two plus years, you're probably getting something similar from Matt Stafford. So to me, that's like very close to being a wash. By that time, Matt Stafford is 36 years old. How many years does he have left of like high end production? And we could talk about Brady. We talk about like Roethlisberger, but after like, 38 39 it really becomes sketchy so i'm then relying on and, it, the, and if he's throwing yeah. for 4500 yards he will be a number one pick mm-hmm. he will he will yes. just he'll, that'll just he'll just be a number one pick exactly and so five star quarterbacks are being drafted in the first round at a 40% rate currently and and he's not like your regular five star quarterback either like he has a very high end projection considering he is one of the greatest recruits we've ever seen. So you take two years of equivalent production across different leagues, to be fair. Uh, uh, to, like one is NFL, one is CFF, but I, I think it'll be close in terms of the value they bring to your team. You then look at, okay, what is after those two years, what is their likely outcome? And I think it's more likely that in 2024, that Quinn enters the NFL as a first round pick and, has more value than 38, 39 year old Matt Stafford. And that's why I chose Quinn Ewers here. Cause I think that they, the value they provide to each team is relatively stable for two years. Matt Burning, is it, is it Quinn Ewers the answer? Yeah, that's, that's who I voted on. And, and I understand you with, I, I kind of agree with everything Moxley said. The biggest thing is you're definitely having to project forward with Quinn. So we already know what Stafford is, right. And, and likely a hall of fame player, but we all think Quinn can be that. And I just, Stafford, I think probably has a couple years left, but he's been up and down even this year. Like I know they're in the Super Bowl and he's been really good in the playoffs, but leading into the playoffs, there were times that Stafford looked like he may have been washed and then he's bounced back. Quinn, if he can do what we think he can, what we're projecting him to do, he's going to be a stud for you on the college side for the next two seasons. And then you're likely getting that in the NFL, and you're going to get that for a decade plus more than likely because most of these guys, even if he doesn't do good with the first team, likely he's going to get a second shot somewhere. So you're likely getting that guy for a decade plus. I would take Ewers. It wasn't even really that close for me. I As soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, Ewers. within But now, if you were talking – I'm trying to think of someone who's in the middle of their – if you were saying like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, who I still think probably has close to another decade, I might have leaned that way. But Stafford is on the back end of his career. I think I'd rather take a shot on the young guy and see what happens over Matt Stafford. I actually very much agree with Matt. It wasn't close for me. Like I didn't really have to think much about this question. I was surprised by the results, and I was surprised by the response that I got to my tweet of like it's easily quit. I, so, I didn't. I really didn't yeah. think that much about this question. When and I think it's interesting. I would bet a lot of a lot more C two C people were voting early on in that poll because when I clicked Quinn, it was only like two percent apart, and that was after like two hundred votes is when I saw it and voted. And it was only and I was like, oh wow, like I was not expecting. So I think I I uh, replied on your tweet, Felix, to like I'm surprised by the results. I thought it'd be a landslide, Stafford. To be honest with you, I mean, it Some- essentially ended up being that, but. Something that's not even like this is going to sound bold. By October, you might not even be able to trade Stafford for yours straight up in a Campus Canton League. Yours yours opening month of the season, they play ULM, Bama, and then UTSA, Texas Tech. If he looks fine in the Bama game, like doesn't he have to tear him up? If he looks fine against Bama and then crushes the other three teams on that schedule, like they probably can. Yeah, I don't think you could trade Stafford for yours straight up. Like I just think that, that that ship will have sailed. So here here's an interesting question. Do you think that that trade straight up is fair right now? If you if you had Stafford and someone said, "Hey, like here's Quinn," what what is your response? 
Yes, before they changed their mind. Am I getting Quinn? I'm, re- I'm yeah. hearing that yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, before they yeah. say before they changed their mind. I think I would take Quinn straight up. There you go. Yes. I would obviously ask yes. for more because sure. I'm. Oh yeah, yeah. Side yeah. of the, you know, you could, you're kind of uphill in this scenario. You can kind of demand a little bit more, but yeah, yeah I, I think at the end of the day, I would take it. Yep. Yes, all all around Quint Ewers. Um, there is always something new around this campus to Canton family. You go to the website and there's something new for you to read. Every morning you have college football filtered before you've had your coffee. Mondays you have Chasing the Natty. Tuesdays you have Canton Bound. Wednesdays you have Debbie Debate. Thursdays you have Canton Bound. We're going to end up filling that Friday. And then every single day you have the daily draft the daily draft report that that Dwight is doing is doing for the site. There is always something new. There's always something on the YouTube page. Go check us out. Get involved. Respond. Give us a rate and review on this podcast, but go check us out everywhere. We want to be in your ears and in your eyeballs at all times. But that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Austin Nace, for Chris Moxley, for Matt Bruning. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.